Welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special podcast today, including an awesome guest, John McCaskill, Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness and meditation teacher. He's a Naval Academy graduate and holds his master's in operations research from the Naval Postgraduate School. John has served in Iraq, Afghanistan, off the coast of Somalia, and in Panama. He serves as the Deputy Executive Director for the Veterans Path, a nonprofit organization that works to introduce meditation and mindfulness to veterans to bring them a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. Now, how we got here. I am very passionate about supporting law enforcement groups, and we have had the privilege to work with CBP, Customs and Border Protection, in particular, their SRT unit. And over the years, what we've worked on with them is a variety of different things, including monthly webinars where we bring on different subject material experts and I interview them to deep dive into questions the SRT team has and or provide feedback so we can enhance that group. Well, as I was on a webinar or a call with John, I was blown away by his expertise. I was blown away by the impact that he was going to make for the SRT that I asked if we could have permission to release this publicly because I just thought it was such a profound impact on lessons that he's learned about how to utilize breath work and meditation. And so today's episode was originally designed as a webinar for specifically for CBP SRT, which we're now also sharing with the world. I am confident you'll get a lot of value in this. You know, sit back, listen, take it all in. John's background is, is um, very unique, and I believe that what he has to share is very impactful. Really appreciate you guys listening. Let's dive into an incredible episode with John. And thank you, CBP SRT, for allowing us to share this. Let's go. All right, gentlemen, we have a phenomenal guest with us today, John McCaskill. It is a pleasure to have you um, for an opportunity to speak to the CBP SRT folks about all the lessons you've learned about meditation, about breath work, about, about the different things that you've incorporated in your life that have made a dramatic difference. You know, these guys, they're out there, they have a difficult job. And as operators, there's a lot of stress that's, that's kind of encompasses that. And you know better than most about what that's like. And you've been able to utilize tools to help you overcome that. So I'd love to dive into this. Perhaps we could just start off, John, with just a little bit more about like your background and how you even got to like where you're at today um, would be really helpful. Yeah, right on, Jason. Well, first off, it's it's an honor to be here with you and speaking with this audience, man. It's uh, it's an audience that is near and dear to my heart. I, I work with CBP um, over at their Leadership Institute, and uh, I do some work with them there, and always such a great crowd, such great work that you all are doing. So thank you for having me. Uh, that said, uh, a little background on me. Um, I'm a retired Navy SEAL commander. I uh, served in the SEAL teams from 2003 until 2020. I was uh, prior enlisted prior to that, and uh, and then did did some time um, at the at the Naval Academy. And in 2005, I was involved in a in an operation that went sideways, and we lost a lot of guys. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all seen the the movies or read the book about Lone Survivor Operation Red Wings. Well, I was I was connected with that operation. I was not on that operation, but I was supposed to be, and things changed uh, towards the the end there and ended up sitting in the Joint Operations Center, so on the phones and the radios, kind of helping to run the logistics and administrative and control side of the of the operation. And uh, I was there when 
the, the guys were compromised in the field. I was there when it ended up being a, a firefight and got the call from Michael Murphy that, you know, guys were dying on the battlefield. And then was there when uh, we got news that the helicopter had been shot down. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends, uh, buddies and people who like, I knew their families, I knew their wives, their, their kids, that kind of thing. And so it was, uh, that particular operation actually underpinned a lot of the, the anxiety and depression and survivor's guilt that I've felt really for the rest of my time in the SEAL teams almost. And I got to a really dark spot where I was considering some fairly dark options and I was self-medicating with alcohol and prescription medication. And I went and saw a, a counselor and the counselor uh, had a lot of patience and, and also had a, a lot of, uh, honestly, a lot of balls <laughs> because he stepped up and he's like, Hey man, I, I want you to, I want you to try this stuff, mindfulness and meditation. And, and I laughed at him in his face initially. And uh, I was like, doc, uh, I've got some serious stuff going on. I don't know what this hippy dippy woo woo stuff is going to do for me. And he was like, well, John, what if I told you if I had a pill that you could take that would improve your performance, both professionally and personally, both mentally and emotionally and physically. And I was like, yeah, doc, you know, if, if that's a pill I can take, I'll absolutely take it because, you know, as a special operator, much like many of you guys listening to this, you're always looking for an edge, whether that's an, en uh, an edge over the enemy or whether it's an edge of your buddy right next to you, right? You're always looking for an edge. And so I was like, yeah, doc, I'll take that. And he's like, well, it's not a pill. It's, it's meditation. I want you to try meditation out. So uh, I tried it out. And the next day I went home and downloaded an app and sat down to meditate for an hour. And I lasted about 17 seconds before I was angry and frustrated. And my mind was on anything except that meditation. And I went back to the doc. I'm like, doc, man, that, that meditation stuff is a bunch of bogus. It's not, it's not what you told me it was. It's not going to change me. I am a, not a person who can meditate. And he said, well, what did you do? And I told him what I just mentioned to you. And, and he said, well, that's like lining up at the starting line of a marathon without ever having run a step before. It's like going into the weight room and getting under you know, 350 pounds on the bench press and you've never lifted weights before. And uh, now he's speaking my language, right? So I'm like, okay, well, how do I start? And he introduced me to box breathing, which many of us in the tactical space have been introduced to before, but it hasn't been called meditation or mindfulness. They're like, hey, we want you to control your heart. We want you to control your breathing so that you can shoot better, be better uh, under control in the in the shoot house, uh, you know, on the range, that kind of thing. So I, I had done that before in the SEAL team. So I was like, well, Doc, I've done that. I can, I can do that. So if you're not familiar with box breathing, it's basically breathing in for a count of four or five. That's the first edge of the box holding for a count of four or five, that's the top of the box, breathing out for a count of four or five, that's the next edge, and then holding for a count of four or five, that's the bottom. And you do that, you know, four or five times. Mm. And what you're doing there is you're tapping into the parasympathetic state of your nervous system, parasympathetic side of your nervous system, which is calming you down. And, you know, I, again, used to do that before I'd go into the kill house or on the shooting range so that I could shoot better. But then I started applying it in my personal life here after this doc had reintroduced it to me and it would make me feel more in control, more in the present moment for, for a while. And then I would get cut off by some jerk in traffic. And then I, you know, I'd be back where I had been before. And then, uh, and then I would do that breathing in traffic and it could calm me down in traffic. And I started to do that regularly several times, you know, five, six, seven times a day. 
And I started to see how it helped me handle issues where I would normally get anxious or stressed or sad. And, uh, and it brought me back under control so that I could respond to, to things rather than react. And over time, after about two or three months of doing that and some more in-depth meditations on the different apps that are out there, I started to feel better. And I was like, well, maybe it's just me. And then I had somebody come up to me at work and they're like, hey, John, what, what are you on? What, what are you mm. taking? <laughs> mm, yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big Other people started it. noticing, right? I mean, they started yeah, noticing exactly. this changing. So l- let me ask you this yeah. question. You know, I think when people think about meditation, um, I do think they think like, or at least I do, right? And I've had some exposure to this, but um, where you're like, hey, you go download the Calm app, right? Or whatever yeah. it is. And you, you try and like go sit in a corner of the w- room and, and crisscross, right? And <laughs> and you get 17 seconds in, you're like, dude, I'm over this. And you move on. Yeah. Um, but you really talked about the box breathing. So in regards to as a first step to meditation, you know, it's four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold makes complete sense, yeah. right? Like a, like a, yeah. like a box. Um, right, exactly. And essentially you would incorporate that anytime you felt a, a level of stress or anxiety that kicked in. Is, is that what it, is that the way it started? Yeah, hundred percent, man. That's exactly how it started. And, and, you know, the effects of that is it's a very basic exercise. It's just breath work. It's not even, don't even necessarily need to call it meditation, just breath right. work. And the effects of that can last anywhere from, you know, five minutes to a couple hours. Um, and then as you start to feel yourself getting stressed or anxious again, or whatever, you just do it again. And you can do that just about any place, man. Like I said, I, I would get cut off by some jerk in traffic and I can do it behind the steering wheel. I can do it behind my computer while I'm, while I'm preparing for a podcast or preparing for an interview, right? I can pre- I can do that when I'm I'm in a tactical vehicle on the on the way to an assault. I can do some of that to get myself back under control because that's you're actually tapping into the physiology of your body and you can get back that control rather than the that reaction you're responding. And so as a then do you start to develop then so right now we're talking about it as a tool to reset you do you then start doing it preemptively? So like, I guess what I'm trying to yep. say is like, is the next step you say, okay, I'm gonna wake up in the morning. I'm gonna do 10 minutes of breath work. Is that how it evolves or how does it evolve yeah. from just like, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's more, you start to get more proactive or preemptive rather than reactive. And you don't just have to do it when you get stressed out or anxious. You can do it, like you said, first thing in the morning to prepare you for that morning. You can do it after you've had you know, a cup of coffee and you're getting ready for your day. You can do it after lunch, getting ready for the afternoon. You can do it prior to going in for an interview or whatever it is that you know you're going to get anxious about. You can do that preemptively so that you, again, gain control. Absolutely. That's, that's uh, when you start doing it preemptively, that's when you know you've kind of cross to hump. It's not just reactive. So taking it from box breathing, you know, you are overcoming survivor's guilt and plus a variety of other things that many, many people cannot fully understand, especially sure. the way you told me the story prior, uh, not to, uh, you know, bring that up. It's just the way you shared it. It was just so, um, I mean, it was just real. It was just, it was just, I mean, these were your guys and, 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 it was, it was a very big deal. And for you to be able to utilize breath work to overcome a lot of this is like super fascinating to me because most right. people will never experience that level of, 
uh, I guess for lack of a better term, adversity um, at that heightened. So for you to be able to do that without drugs and alcohol or or whatever. So it started off with this this breath work in terms of the box breathing, but talk me through how that translates to like actually making a change in your mindset. Like, how do you, I guess, what, what's the next step? So we talk about now proactive, yep. preemptive, et cetera, but like, it can't just be box breathing, right? It has to elevate right. from there. Yeah. 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 So a lot of us, just about everybody has had some level of trauma in their lives, right? And that trauma, most of us don't want to deal with it. We mm. box it up, put it in a basement to be dealt with later or never to be dealt with at all. To the point where a lot of us actually forget the trauma that we were exposed to. But if you've ever read Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score, you know that trauma manifests itself in your body. It manifests itself in your personality. It manifests itself somehow in you. And the only way to keep it from doing that is to address it. And I tried to do that through counseling initially, but I didn't even know what I needed to address. And when I sat down to meditate, when I got a little bit more in depth than the box breathing, and I started to do, you know, longer meditations, more in depth, some of that stuff that I'd boxed up bubbled to the surface. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. crap, you know, this is, this is stuff I should have talked about, you know, months ago or years ago, decades ago. And now it was there at the surface. Now I was able to go and talk to somebody about it and process it. I was, it was painful when it came back up. You know, the, the term triggered that we all hear, I, I had been triggered and I was like, crap, I, I need to go and talk with someone. Um, and it felt really tough initially, but once I had it there to address and to speak with somebody about it, the meditation and the talk counseling together were much more effective. Going to talk counseling by itself can be very effective, but a lot of the time we don't know what we need to talk about. And this allowed me to figure out what I needed to talk about, bubble to the surface, and then I was able to do the talk therapy, some of the uh, the other modalities that are out there, hypnosis, some of the, those that now I was able to address these things in a much more healthy and productive way, and then I was able to get past it. And, uh, so it wasn't the meditation alone, it was all of it together. Yeah. So just to kind of pulling on that thread, I, I haven't thought about it through that lens the same way. So the book you referenced was body keeps the score. I'll have to go check it. I've never heard yeah. of it before. Yeah. Um, it, so you talk about trauma, then it manifests, you know, and then you need to address it. I, I like the way you're describing this because if I could summarize what you're sharing, it's that through breath work, which then leads you to like a longer duration meditation, which I like to hear more about from you. Sure. Does then your mind start to uh, open and you start unlocking where the actual real trauma is at? Is that, is that what you're talking? So you could then say, okay, the real trauma I'm dealing with is from, you know, 1985 or whatever it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. And I need to go talk to Bob about this or whatever it is. Is, is that right. what the, okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I can't put the, I, I can't put it it's, it's going to happen in different ways for different people based on the trauma they experienced and when they experienced it and also how their, 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 their body and their mind address it. Um, but yes, that's the kind of the distilled version is that you, you get to find these traumas. Like you, like for me, I was definitely addressing the Red Wings operation initially, and that was a big piece of it, but 
there was other pieces that were from my childhood, from my schooling, from even from time at the Naval Academy, different things that, you know, maybe weren't necessarily traumatic as one may one may normally define traumatic, sorry, uh, but they, something happened to me that changed me and I didn't even really think about it. And once I was able to address it, that's when I was able to move on and move past it. And, you know, there's a saying about dealing with trauma and that the only way through it, or rather the only way to get out of it is to go through it. Uh, and, you know, mo most of us think, well, I'm just going to box it up and put it away. And, and that's not going to be healthy for you. And yeah, that the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score is just, it's an amazing read by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And uh, it is all about how trauma manifests itself in the body and the mind if you don't, if you don't work through it. So um, kind of backing up just for a second, I, I, the box breathing, like we shared, I think makes total sense to me. How do you then go from box breathing to this next layer of meditation? And what is that next layer to then start unlocking this to get out of it? You need to go through it. And then I, I have questions yeah. about the therapist too, but, but just, um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, the box breathing is a great place to start, lay that foundation, uh, much like we were talking about before. And, and you're, I'm going to preach the choir here. You're a CrossFit guy. Like you didn't start out doing Murph in, you know, record time, right? You worked your way up to that. You worked your way up to being able to do uh, X number of pull-ups and everything else. Well, you worked your way up to a more in-depth meditation. And those more in-depth meditations could be something like having a mantra that you focus mm. on, um, doing a body scan, noticing where you are holding tension physically and emotionally. Mm. You can do... Uh, a meditation based on, you know, changing the stories that we all tell ourselves, because that's what many of us walk around with is these stories, these negative narratives in our minds. And you can do a meditation based on that. You can do a meditation. What, what, based what, do, you, on what do you mean by that? I'm sorry. What, what do you mean yeah, by man. changing the story? Um, the mantra, the body scan. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. What, well, what do you the, have the, a mantra? If, do you have a mantra you mind sharing or is there something that you tell yourself? I, I don't use the mantras uh, I have in the past, but, uh, you know, the, some mantras, for example, could be, you know, as simple as I am a good person, right. I am, uh, you know, I am not the person that I think I am. And that's where you combine a mantra and reversing the story that you're telling yourself. And what I mean by the story that you tell yourself is you walk around every day with these negative narratives that you kind of convince yourself that you are a bad person, that you don't deserve the successes that you've had, or that you does, or the, the flip side of that is that you deserve the negative stuff that has happened to you in your life. You know, these are the stories that many of us walk around with. And if you can do a meditation with a mantra that counters that, that can be very effective um, in changing the way that you think about yourself. It's like, you know, the, the old Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live, right? You'd sit in front of the mirror and tell, tell himself that he was smart enough, good enough, and doggone it, people liked him or something to that. I don't know if you remember those skits, but I might be dating myself here. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it was, you know, a stupid skit with him staring himself in the mirror and telling him some telling himself some positive affirmations. Well, you take those positive affirmations and use those as mantras within a meditation that can be very powerful for changing the negative narratives that we all walk around with. So the way that I would practically apply this, uh, so I love what you're talking about with the mantra. When I think about the mantra, it's a little bit different than that. And I 
I, I like where you're going with it. Like mantra from a CrossFit games, like competing perspective would be like move fast, breathe slow. Mm -hmm. It's like a theory of like, yeah. I mean, in, in the teams, I'm sure they have a similar analogy where like you want to move with purpose. You want to make moves, but you need to keep your hurry under control. Like it's not going to help anybody if you're moving fast, but your, your heart rate is if you're not under control. Right. So that's kind of like a right. CrossFit related one. What you shared is a little bit more, um, I'd say personal and, and, and to your point, like changes the storyline to that reverse story you refer to. Yeah. So if you're utilizing this box breathing and you're incorporating these different body scans, reverse stories, mantras, you could then, I guess, go for as long as you need. Is that, is that the way you would look at it? So like, let's just say you wake up in the morning, you start your box breathing, you start some of these things, you say, okay, you just go until your body feels fulfillment. Is that the way it would work? Uh, I wish it was that easy. Like, okay. Hey, yeah. like you would like like you're in the meditation and you feel this switch and like, okay, I've reached enlightenment. I've reached yeah. fulfillment. I've I'm at full peace. capacity now. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't gotten to a point where, where it's that clear and distinct, but I can definitely sit in a meditation. Um, and there are times when I've got so much stuff on my mind that in that meditation, it helps to settle that stuff and I can feel more settled. And with that, I find a sense of peace throughout my day. Now, it's not a line that I cross at, you know, 13 minutes and 27 seconds, every meditation, there's going to be times when it's going to take me 15 minutes to potentially reach that moment. And it, there's going to be times when it might take 30 minutes to potentially reach that. And then there's gonna be times when I'll sit for an hour, and I won't even reach that. Because that shouldn't be the goal of the meditation. The goal of the meditation should just be to sit. And if you reach that, that's bonus. And when you sit and you don't reach that, you have to understand that you still got something out of it. You still got some time alone doing some introspective work, being at peace in your mind. It's just like the times when we go to the gym, right? We, we stay consistent. We hit a workout and we're like, man, that workout just was not that great but it was still a workout and you're still better for it. So the meditation may not be that great, but it's still a meditation and you are going to feel better for it in the long run with consistency, consistency. So, which makes total sense to me. What are some tips? I want to get to the therapist component, but what are some tips on, you refer to, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I imagine this is, this is pretty straightforward, but you take your phone, you probably put it outside the room. Um, what yeah. type of things do you do to set yourself up for success? And what environment do you find it most successful? And so speaking for myself, I find that, you know, sometimes I just feel like there's just a lot of noise in my head, not necessarily sure. negative noise, just like, like, um, like noise, like we got to do this. We got to do that. Let's go. We got, we got elevate here. We got to make this move. I got to go right. play catch with my son. What like all these things not so much negative, but just a lot of noise. And I find that sure. the cold plunge in particularly, I'll refer to the sauna. The sauna is a place where I could find my breath a little bit better and I could actually relax myself more. Yeah. Do you find anywhere is better than another or, or how do you do that? Yeah. Well, you got to kind of experiment and see what works for you. Like you mentioned, you found the sauna. Some people, the, the cold plunge does work for them. Although, it, you know, that's a pretty intense way to and find it's pretty short. Breath. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. short. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, that said, I am a big fan of the cold plunge, but, uh, I digress. Yeah. As far as finding a way to do it, this thing, man, the smartphone, 
um, this thing will eat up so much time in our day and we will convince ourselves that we don't have time to do X, Y, or Z. So a lot of the time when I speak to an audience, they're like, I don't have time to meditate for 10 minutes mm -hmm. a day. I, my, my day is consumed from the second I wake up. Well, how do you wake up? Well, most people use these as their alarm clocks. They use their mm -hmm. phones as their alarm clocks. And then they shut off their alarm or maybe hit snooze a couple of times. But once they are finally done, what do they do? They start checking social media. They start checking email. They start checking their bank accounts, their text messages. And before they know it, they've eaten up 20, 30, 40 minutes before they even get out of bed, right? They're laying right. there in bed, checking all that. One, that's a terrible way to start the day. You start off reactive from the get-go. So what I recommend is don't use your phone as your alarm clock. Find something else like a traditional alarm clock. Find maybe your watch to wake you up. And then when you wake up, go take care of your bio needs, brush your teeth, and then go and find a quiet place. I, For me, I use my closet. I have a walk-in closet. If I go out to my living room, I will grab my phone and I'll start doing exactly what I just mentioned because I'm no better than anybody else. I'm, I can get distracted just like everybody else. So I go into my closet and I have a, an Amazon Alexa in there and I will, I will actually have uh, an Alexa meditation run through. And that way I don't get distracted by anything else. I'll go through and I ask Alexa to run me through a meditation. There's different skills on Alexa that can do it. Um, and, and I will sometimes just do my own quiet time, like nothing, no meditation, no, or sorry, no guidance, just sit uh, with my eyes closed because that's comfortable for me. You don't have to meditate with your eyes closed. You can do it with your eyes open, but I will just sit in silence because very rarely do we ever sit in silence uh, without our phones around. We'll, be doing something. So if I just sit in silence for 10, 15, 20 minutes, what happens is you actually access what's called the default mode network, the DMN, default mode network. And it, that is times when your brain can actually calm down enough. You don't, you, your mind doesn't stop, but it goes into a state where you can think about things that you haven't thought about before, access creativity that you haven't accessed because you haven't given yourself time to uh, maybe solve solutions that your brain has the solution for, but you haven't sat down and been quiet enough to access that solution. Um, and so sometimes solutions to problems that I've been thinking about for you know a week, the solution mm -hmm. will pop up in a meditation uh, because now I've given my default mode network enough time to, to actually activate. So default, uh, yeah, default mode network. I've never heard of yeah. that. Um, yeah. Okay. And wow. You know, what I love about what you're talking about is, you know, I think about this a lot with kids, you know, when I was young and I'm sure when you were young too, we didn't have all kinds of technology at the dinner table or different places when we go out to eat and we would have to, you know, self-soothe. We'd have to identify things that we needed to do as kids to, to entertain us. Selves. Like we'd be at a restaurant, we'd be playing like little football where you use the sugar packets and you try and like get it <laughs> off the edge. You remember yeah. that game? Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. We wouldn't just be, you know, on an iPad. And it's so simple for us to stimulate ourselves nowadays. And by no means, I don't think either one of you are, are either one of us are demonizing the phone. It's a very useful tool, hundred oh, percent, sure. sure. but recognizing where it fits in. I, I really like what you're, um, what you're sharing in, in terms of, I mean, obviously I think a lot of us think about those things, but the biggest takeaway I have, and I've thought about this a lot recently is just the reactiveness. So, you know, you can only control what's in your, like, you can't, you can't control what's outside of your control. Obviously when you open right. up a phone, 
it's outside your control what's going to come at you from the other end, you know, from an right. email to a text to a especially social media. Oh, yeah. And um, so I appreciate what you're talking about. I wrote that down about just reactiveness, right? Instead of you kind of owning the day, it's almost yeah. like the the day starts you off kind of owning right. you, you know. It owns you from the get-go, man, from the get-go. And and so, you know, the default mode network, I mean, dude, that's that's super interesting. Because you're right, through critical thought, through brainstorming, to to through silence, it could unlock a specific area. And, and I'm curious, um, you you talk about the, the these these tips, and then you get into talking about how therapists are a very important tool. And I have utilized um, a sports therapist. I also use a business coach that I meet with uh, regularly, just for developing my own leadership skills and things of that nature. And I find that talking through things makes it a lot easier. I mean, half the time, the person doesn't even really talk much, right? You're just sharing your thoughts. Right. What do you look for? I imagine you've worked with a variety of different specialists. What do you look for when you're looking for someone to talk to? And how do you break down this misconception that you're not like a hardcore dude? If you're talking to someone about, you know, sh- you know, things you're going through. <laughs> yeah, man, the, the narrative around therapists or, or mental therapy should be changed big time, right? It's it's mental fitness. That's what we're doing is we're establishing and maintaining mental fitness, cognitive fitness, whatever you want to call it. But when when someone goes to the therapist, they may have something that they're struggling with and they need to talk through that. But sometimes they just have mental fitness to maintain. And so what I started doing towards the the end of my military career when I was seeing a therapist regularly, I would uh I had this big calendar that sat behind me and I, and I wrote mental fitness appointment in big letters and mm. I highlighted it and the, the guys would come by and they, see what is that? that? You, yeah, you know. what, what is, what is mental fitness? Are you going to a mental gym? What is that? Yeah. Um, or, or I would get the other side and people are like, Hey, Hey, sir, you okay? Everything. All right. I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm just trying to maintain my, my level of mental fitness because again, coming back to the fitness analogy, might write the physical fitness analogy. What do we do? We go to the gym, we get in shape, and then we want to maintain that physical fitness. Well, we're not, we're not physically ill. That, that's not what's driving us to the gym. We want to feel better. We want to look better. We want to be stronger, faster, you know, those, those types of things. Well, the same thing with our minds is that we want to feel good. We want to be better, faster with our minds, stronger with our minds. And so the, the narrative needs to change there. Um, so rather than calling it mental health, mental illness, or anything, I call it mental fitness or cognitive fitness and maintaining, mm-hmm. uh, establishing, and then maintaining that. Now, to answer your, your next question about, you know, what am I looking for? Um, uh, I do like to have a, uh, a therapist that brings out what I already know. A lot of the time I'll sit there and, uh, you know, they won't ask that many questions, but they'll get me to talk. Right. And when I'm talking, something will pop up and I'm like, shit, I can't believe that just popped out of my mind. I've known that this whole time. Right. I'm sorry right. if I, I don't know if, if no, you can swear. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's all good. No, you're, yeah. you're, you're totally right though. Yeah. Keep going. I, I this is, so, this is, I, I yeah. love this conversation, by the way, this is, there's a lot right of, on, man. a lot of takeaways, I think for me and for everyone that's listening to this. Good. Good. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. So a lot of what we need to establish and maintain our, our mental fitness, we already know. 
And it might be from, you know, having a conversation with your, your, your spouse or to having a certain level of conversation with your children or your coworkers or whatever it is. Maybe it's just a deep conversation that you need to have with yourself about where you are. A lot of the time that bubbles up through being guided to the answers, not being given mm -hmm. the answers, right? So I don't like, I do not like a therapist and this is my opinion. So I'm going to preface it with that, but I do not like a therapist when I walk in and within the first two minutes, he or she is telling me, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You don't even, you don't even know me yet. Like get to know me, get to know what works for me and what doesn't. Um, don't just give me something that's off the shelf that has worked for, you know, 5% of your patients. Give me something that is tailored to me. And most of the time that's going to come through talking to me. And most of the time it's going to come from me. I'm going to come up with my own like ideas of what I can do to address that. Maybe it, maybe it is coming back to the phone. Maybe it's addiction to technology. That is one thing that I, I have struggled with in the past is, a, uh, you know, the, the dopamine fix that we get from right. social media and, and email and everything else. That's a, that is a, that's a drug and it's, it's tough to break the addiction there. Well, when I sat down with a therapist a couple months back, I go every two weeks to a therapist, whether I'm feeling great or not, I go. And a couple months back, um, I was talking through exactly what I was just mentioning about the time management. I was like, I just don't feel like I have enough time. And we sat down for a while and she's like, well, how much time are you actually spending on your, on your technology? I was like, damn, it's right there in front of me. It's right, right, there right. right. <laughs> yeah. Break down so, your yeah. day for me every minute by minute. Tell me exactly Ooh. where, you know, it's the same idea yeah. with like, um, working out, right. We hear this a lot. Um, you know, yeah. I don't have time to work out. It's like, dude, yeah. come on. Like I just told you, I just, I just sprinted a mile and a half and I'm like, yeah, you know, it took me, you know, whatever, nine, 10 minutes. And that's not a lot of time. I mean, that's the same amount of time that people probably to your point are looking at whatever and just wasting YouTube their time on or whatever they are. Yeah. yeah, man, they're, they're getting sucked into it. And, and you know, again, I don't want to knock those because sometimes you do need to just have some passive entertainment and I'm, Absolutely. I'm all for that, but you have to have those boundaries. Right. Um, so I think the uh, the technology is is great for many many things. Connecting people that never have been connected, never would have been connected, uh, in ways that we never would have been connected. But we can also get down those rabbit holes, and before we know it, we burn up a lot of our, our time. So coming back to your question, my day to day uh, it it varies greatly day to day because I'm an entrepreneur like like you are, and, and we're kind of doing a lot of different things all the time, but. I, I time block from, you know, 530 in the morning until 830 in the morning for working out, eating right and spending time with my family. And then the, the evening is something to that effect as well. Similar, like the evenings yeah. are untouchable, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I very rarely break on my evenings to, you know, do a zoom call or uh, anything, anything like that, because that's time with my family. Now, in between those two time boxes, I'll, uh, I have a, I do have a uh, virtual assistant uh, or not a virtual, uh, an executive assistant who I've hired to help me manage my time because that can get away from me real quick. Uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, she helped to set this call up, right? Yep, yep, uh, yep. So yeah, she, so she's fantastic. But um, identifying what your priorities are, looking through your day and making sure that everything in your day is in line with those priorities. I think that's absolutely critical. Uh, again, most of the time, we will end up scheduling things that don't even align with our priorities. And we say, you know right. what, that needs to go away. I don't need to have that phone call with this person or that person. I don't need to, you know, jump on 
social media at this time or my email at this time, block out those times as well. Block out, hey, this time is for social, social media. This time is for me to check my email. Having your email up the whole time in front of you when you're on a computer, it's one of the worst things there. Because yeah, it's tough. You it, just pops. It, you, bing, it just bing, pops. Bing. And what's, yeah, the, what's the yeah. first thing you want to do? You want to check that email and you want to answer it. Yeah. Well, now, now you've gotten yourself out of that state of flow or that zone or whatever you want to call it. And you can't focus on what the task at hand is. And you, know, uh, one of the, uh, and you get distracted ahead, real quick. Sorry. Go ahead, man. Yeah. You know, you brought up this idea of mental fitness and I just, I, I want to just go back to it real quick because I, I, um, you know, I, I refer to my, my, when I was competing professionally in CrossFit, I was using a sports therapist, right? And it always sounded like cooler to me, like, Hey man, I'm using <laughs> a, a, a mindset coach to help me perform yeah. better. Like it wasn't like a representation of my life. It was just, but it, what ended up happening with this guy was 90% of it was not even fitness related. Like it was, it was everything else going on in life. And it was just 10% that was actually about the competition, right? Or maybe right. 30%, whatever. And, you know, looking at it this way in CrossFit, there's this, um, there's this fitness continuum. Um, and the way you look at it is that you go from sick to fit along this continuum. So imagine like there's a, there's like a line or it's a linear progression. And at the yeah. bottom, you'd consider someone sick if they can't, you know, I don't know, get off the couch. Their, their resting heart rate is, you know, 80 beats a minute or a hundred beats a minute. Right. They, you know, their blood, uh, body fat is 30, whatever. Then as they get well, their, their body fat is at this percent. They could deadlift maybe their body weight, whatever. And then there's like fitness indicators. Then you have fit which is, you know, deadlift three times their body weight, 8% body fat, you resting heart rate of 40, 50 beats a minute. When I think about your mental fitness, I almost think about it through a similar continuum that mm. it, it, it's, it's because you talk about mental, uh, you were, um, you know, there's obviously mental illness and mental health issues everywhere. But when you talk about sure. it in terms of fitness, it's like, well, dude, you're just, your mental fitness just isn't where it can be. Right. And right. Right. I, I just, I never thought about it through that same lens of like, you have your fitness and then you have your mental fitness and they both are almost on a continuum and you can either be enhancing or going the other way, I guess. Right. Anyways. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, I would, I would agree with that for the most part. I would say that there are definitely factors in our lives that can knock us off that mentally fit level on that, that continuum or on that scale. Right. So like, quickly, yeah. we, may, we may be mentally fit, very resilient. And then you know, a member of our family gets in a car wreck and they're hurt really badly or potentially even killed. Like that's going to, that's going to give you a blow, right? If, if you do not struggle with that, then I'm more concerned with you than, than, right, than right, otherwise. Right. Right. Then what's the matter um, with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, but I guess the same thing if, in mental fitness or sorry, in physical fitness, like if you got into a car wreck, um, mm. now you're at the top of your fitness level and you get into a car wreck. Well, now you're going to have to be in the hospital for a while and, and that's going to take you down a couple of notches. Well, same thing with the the mental fitness. You, I think there are definitely things that get thrown at you uh, personally, professionally, and emotionally that are going to take you down a couple of notches. But having put in that work already, you're going to bounce back faster. So now you're going to be more resilient so that you can come back faster, better, stronger, sooner if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's such parallels there. You know, my daughter, yeah. um, I think I told you, so my daughter got diagnosed with leukemia and when she got diagnosed no, yeah. with leukemia, yeah. it's a, it's a very, I mean, it's, it's very similar to what you're talking about. It's not a in, and, but you're right. It's like, it's almost like muscle memory and fitness. Like you're a fit guy. Like you've 
you know, you could, even if you got out of shape or I got out of shape, our body can get back to it a little bit quicker than most people because we've been training right. for decades. I guess those same things apply to the mental side. I just, I hadn't looked at it through that lens. Um, I want to ask you, so you talk about the family blocks, which I really appreciate, um, you know, the morning block and the evening block. Yeah. Yeah. How do you incorporate mindfulness? Uh, how do you incorporate breath work? How do you incorporate what you're a believer in with your family? And if so, what are the lessons learned in terms of too hard, too quick, and maybe pushing people away from this style of training? If, if any, great maybe question. there is no, yeah, you know what I mean? Question. Yeah. No, I think, I think just like anything else, too hard, too quick, there's absolutely a level of it, right? Like, um, I, I grew up running track and cross country and, and my coach was like a second father to me. Um, and I still stay in close contact with him to this day. And when, when we were growing up, he had a son that was, you know, 10 years younger than us. And he was running around with us goofing off. And I remember telling my coach, I was like, man, this, this kid's going to be a hell of a runner. He's like, if he chooses to be, uh, you know, so many, so many parents want to kind of push their dreams and their missed goals down onto their kids and live vicariously through them. And when he said, if he chooses to be, that was like a, a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, okay, when I'm a dad, my desires and my missed goals are not going to be for my kids to earn. Those are That's just right. going to be things that like went by the wayside and they can earn their own goals. They can go after their own dreams. I'm not going to push that on them. Now, how does that translate to what I'm talking about here with, with the mindfulness and meditation? I am certainly not going to like force my kids to sit down and meditate. Right. And, and I how do old are your children? I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I, my six-year-old, um, I think we talked about this earlier when she was six months old, she had a massive tumor on her liver and we had to go get it cut out at Boston Children's Hospital and that's right. phenomenal organization and institution there. So um, anyhow, she's six years old now, strong and healthy, six going on 16, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I have introduced it to them through example right mm. like if i if they see me getting upset they see me getting stressed i will stop and i try to take a breath and they're like daddy what are you doing i'm like i'm just resetting and i have i have seen my kids do that i actually posted a video last week on on linkedin where my little girl was scared to do something my six-year-old girl was scared to do something my little boys four years old he was convincing her to do it, trying to like celebrate her. And cause he had done it. He's like a little bit more gregarious than, than she is. And he had done this thing, jumping off this platform and he was trying to talk her into doing it. And I just happened to catch it. I heard them talking and I came around a corner and I started videoing them. They didn't know I was, and uh, he's talking her into it. He's like, just breathe, just breathe. And, and then she's on this platform and she goes, I can do this. She did it with her eyes closed and she says, I can do this. And she did it. I was like, holy cow, the, the example that I'm setting is actually translating to them. So I guess I say that all to say that right now they're very young and I'm not going to force it on them because I think if anything forced on anyone, they're going to push back against it. But if I model it by example, then they can learn from it and start to apply it in their lives. And they are. Again, the fitness parallel comes into play, right? I have a gym downstairs and there are times when I convince myself, hey, I, you know, I don't have time to work out because I got kids. Well, it's exactly the opposite. You should be working out because you have kids. 
one, so that you have the energy to keep up with them because it takes a lot of energy to keep up with young kids, but two, to set that example for them. Yeah. And I have seen when I'm in that gym downstairs, my kids will come down and they won't walk in and walk out. Like my four-year-old boy will walk in and start doing push-ups, right? Now, granted, they're, they're four-year-old push-ups. They're not perfect. And I'm not getting in his it face. It doesn't matter. Hey. Yeah. But, but yeah. he's seeing that example of his dad and his mom doing the hard work, right? Mentally and physically. So it's just a uh, through example that, I, that I've started to uh, teach them. Now I have at times um, at night when they're going to sleep, you know, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, two-year-old that they're in that stage where they don't want to go to sleep. And I will start talking to them almost like in a meditation voice, kind of calming them down and I'm getting them to breathe and activating their parasympathetic nervous system. And then I can see that their body and their mind, they're calming down right before my eyes. But I, again, I'm not forcing it on them. Right. So, Dude, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, at, so um, we, uh, I'm, I'm really leaning into um, through our podcast now, or my podcast, the Jason Kleepa podcast, we basically rebranded. So it used to be business focused, then it got into athlete focused. And now it's just like, dude, you know what? I want to talk to dads. I want to, I want to try and level up and, and yeah. I want to talk to entrepreneurs and dads. We're just, you know, we have one shot at this whole thing. And I think that the point you're trying to make is like, I was talking to a gentleman the other day, his, his name is Matt Boudreaux. And he's a, he's, he's discussing this kind of like a, a forward thinking approach to education. But one of the things he was talking about was the idea that your children are at like essentially like a, a factory reset at zero and they have inputs from all over. But you have the opportunity to be the, the number one input. And so what you create as normal just becomes normal. And I think for any dad listening right now, it's like, it's like we have a choice on like creating what is normal. Like for my kids, like it's just normal. Like, like it's, it's the same as them brushing their teeth or putting on deodorant or whatever, right? Like literally brushing their teeth, eating breakfast, working out. Like those are just things that are part of their lives. And I don't right. think we really even tried it to your point. Like, you know, I wrote this down, like, you know, just the idea that it, it just becomes uh, introducing through example, right? Like you're not talking about, oh, let me, let me share with you what breath work is like, no, dude, when you come in, you might be a little bit stressed, whatever you, people can visibly see you go through that. And then it, it, it basically rubs off. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's great, man. Congratulations, by the way, on six, four Thank and two, you, you must be busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got started late in life, but it's not a, it's not a seasoned man's game. It's a young man's game, but, uh, but uh, I am blessed to have these children in my life. They make me want to be a, a better man every day. Well, staying fit is helps, you know, like you'll have the yeah. energy to keep up with them, you know, so kind of, yeah. I want to be sensitive of your time, but just to kind of discuss this. So, you know, we've talked about a lot today in terms of finding the right therapist, uh, obviously box breathing, meditation, identifying times to do that. Um, you know, any other takeaways that you've seen that have really helped you overcome, I, I'd say some, you know, um, legit uh, adversity and trauma in your life, including um, with your with your daughter, right? And, and yeah. so just to kind of, you know, again, talking about this mental fitness side and any other kind of tips and tricks that you've incorporated that maybe take it a step further or that open up people's minds. Uh, yeah. I just, I just feel like yeah. you're, you're a great person to have this conversation with. So I want to hear more. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that brother. Well, I, I'll, I will start with um, developing a support network, mm. uh, a support network of friends, of family, of work colleagues, and 
and clearly um, articulating to them what what it is you want to do, whether it's you know get better uh, mentally, uh, to get stronger in the gym, or to you know I don't know may maybe run a marathon, whatever your goal right. is. Figure right. out what your goal is. Write that goal down. Write the action steps to achieve that goal, and then share those action steps with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your support network. Because as you write those goals down, you're more likely to succeed. And then as you share those with people who are going to hold you accountable and support you in those in the pursuit of those goals, you're much much more likely to achieve that. And now you, you're like, okay, well, you're talking goals and you're talking mental fitness, mental health. What? Well. Those don't, they're not counter to one another. A lot of the time, mm. feeling better mentally is a goal. And that can look like going to the gym. Maybe that is not just meditation, but maybe it is going out and doing something healthy for yourself, eating better. Maybe that's your goal, right? And you share that with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your support network, whatever that looks like. Um, I think that's a, a critical piece. And then, uh, you know, I, I won't get too religious, but I personally do have a, a, a faith base and having that faith base, um, it has been huge in, in who I believe I have become um, in supporting me and, and the people in that faith have, have mm. been very supportive as well. So um, I think that's, uh, that is very helpful. Has that evolved? In, in out, Just you know, yeah. on the faith, has that evolved over time, you know? Um, it has, man like from being overseas to when you were back, like you just, it just kind of evolved, right? Like your relationship. Yeah. 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 And I won't say it always positively evolved. I think there was times when it was definitely negative. Um, you know, times when um, something that I was struggling with caused me to lose that faith or at least, at least um, lessen the strength of the faith. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been and continues to be an evolution that relationship that I have with who I believe to be my higher being uh, is always evolving. And I believe it's actually strengthened through mindfulness and meditation. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people, I'll just tell you, my, my faith is I'm Christian. And a lot of people uh, in the Christian faith will be like, oh, well, meditation is not Christian. Um, I, I'm not going to get into that argument here, but I, I believe personally that that meditation has bolstered my my walk in my faith um, because I can tune out some of the noise that is out there in the world and I can tune in to what I want to learn from my higher being, who I believe my higher being is. And uh, I think that without that, it's it's not as clear um, or profound. That relationship is not as clear and profound. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... I, I, I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think that that evolution of that relationship, I can only imagine for you, especially with, with what you've gone through in your life and that what you've seen, how that, that evolution has continued. Well, you know, on behalf of myself, uh, everyone listening, right. The, the CBP, the SRT, um, we just, we just want to thank you, man. Thank you for obviously for your service, but also just for taking your time, right. And sharing your insight. Um, I'd love to do this again. I, I think that we yeah. could, uh, there, there's there's more to unpack here, but I think for what this is, there's a lot to unpack for today. So I appreciate Brother. you. Where's the best place if, if, if people want to kind of know more about your story um, or, yeah. or engage with you maybe as a speaker or whatnot, where's the best place sure. to go? Yeah, thanks for that, Jason. Um, if you go to johnmccaskill.com forward slash links, so John, J-O-N, McCaskill, M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L.com forward slash links. 
that'll take you to all my social media, my email, my personal website. It'll, it'll take you to all the things. So that's the easiest way. Perfect. I love it. Well, hey, I hope everybody has a great day and thank you so much for your time. And uh, until the next time we chat, I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you.